Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. Hello, readers! Hi, Hi everybody! Welcome back! Welcome! Ahoy, matey, I should say, because we got a fun book for you all today. Oh, avast me, hearties. <laughs> Yo, ho, ho. Yo, ho, ho. It is a pirate's life not for me. I'm going to say that right now. So I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Obvious <laughs> with that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so um, what book are we reading today, ladies? So we read The Reliance by Mary Lou Tyndall. ML Tyndall, um, which is book two in the Legacy of the King's Pirates series. Absolutely. So like another another um, situation of us inadvertently picking the second in a series and it inadvertently biting us in the behind. I know. We ha- we'll have a lot to sneak out during this. We will be saying a lot during this episode. I'm sure I, maybe I would feel differently if I had read the first book. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah gosh the whole the main characters getting together the whole setup for their relationship happens in book one and we picked up book two and they've already married and it's right in the middle of their story it's kind of funny but that's okay it was still an interesting read and we have lots of thoughts about it we always Um, have thoughts about it we always have thoughts thoughts. so from a housekeeping perspective morgan why don't you tell the listeners what theme this is kicking off and it's not a pirate theme, so buckle your squashes. No, um, squash buckles. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely, yes. Buckle your squashes. Buckle your squashes. <laughs> because this is the quirky offbeat theme. <laughs> Dude, did you mean to say swashbuckling? Yes, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> that's absolutely what she was trying to say. Buckle your squashes. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle them right up in the back seat. We're about to go. go. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, Morgan. Go ahead. Yes, Let's no, read. that's fine. So this is the quirky offbeat theme, and we picked three um, tropes that you don't really see just a ton of in Christian fiction. Um, although yeah. one of the tropes that we picked, I think, is actually getting a little bit more popular, but. Not this one. We'll talk about that when that book comes up. <laughs> so this one specifically is Pirates. And when I first, um, I was listened to either a podcast episode or saw a bookstagram post about um, a series of Christian fiction books about pirates. And I have read um, other non, non-Christian fiction books that were about pirates and had really enjoyed them. And I did not realize that there were any in Christian fiction. So I was immediately intrigued and curious about how it would be executed. Um, I like, I like pirate movies in general. I like pirates in books. I probably wouldn't like pirates in real life, but in fiction, entertaining. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I, I can't say that for sure. I'm just assuming. Yeah. You're assuming um, if you ran into a pirate, like an old school pirate, you'd be like, mm, not for me. A, a, current day pirate any of the any of the pirates i don't think <laughs> that because of the nature of their profession sure. you know 
Um, but anyways, so that's so this book is about pirates and it's the quirky offbeat um, theme. And yes. uh, I'm excited to, yeah, to get into it for sure. Before we started this recording, I told uh, you two that we did want to challenge ourselves reading <laughs> different books this season than like last season where we read so many amazing romance, mainly romance. And so it's fun to kind of challenge ourselves um, this season, which we're definitely doing. Yes. Housekeeping. Um, obviously, um, always kids in the background. Don't be alarmed if you hear them. It's bedtime and, you know, kids be kids. Um, secondly, snack break. So you might hear some crunching. Again, it's evening for us when we're recording this, and we're snackers, so no no apologizing for that. No. And thirdly, we're doing a virtual recording. Um, Madeline's actually traveling right now, and so we're doing a little virtual recording, which is so fun. Um, so if you hear any di different sounds or noises, or it's not as clear as it usually is, don't be alarmed. We'll be back in your ears just as usual next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, also, before we dive into our sections here, we want to give some trigger warnings, which you may have guessed, considering the fact that this is a book about pirates. Um, so there is a trigger, war a trigger warning about pirate-esque subject matter. So pillaging, <laughs> raping, yeah. depictions of violence, all those things please be aware of before you get into this book. There's also a very um, descriptive um, uh, pregnancy loss situation in this book. It's it's pretty descriptive and it goes in depth with um, uh, the mother grieving as well. <clears throat> so please be aware of that. That's a big one. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also it's 16th or 17th century pirates, I should say. So yes. it's the pirates of 1668 or something like that. So please yes. be aware that all those things that you imagine in books are here. I will say that there were things that were seemed to be a little more subdued because it is Christian fiction, but like it definitely pushes the boundaries of kind of all things murder, yes. sword fighting, gun battles, you know, play all, walk. All things. All things. Yeah. yeah. There's also drinking. Oh, yes. Alcohol, yes. Using alcohol as a vice. So all these things. So just be aware that when you dive into this book, you are absolutely diving into a pirate's world. And so all the things that, that come with it. Drink up, me hearties. Yo-ho. Yo-ho, baby. Yo-ho. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we should read that cover copy. Madeline. Ah, so yes. I have a physical copy of the book in front of me. And yes. Are you good to read the back cover? I will indeed. Okay. I wish I could read like the lines at the top, but I can't because they're covered. Um, Captain Edmund Merrick, convinced his pregnant wife Charlize is dead, sails away to drown his sorrows. Having turned his back on God, Edmund reverts to a life of villainy and joins forces with the demented French pirate Collier. When Edmund's mind clears from its rum-induced haze, will he be able to pull himself up from the depths to which he has sunk? Believing herself abandoned by her new husband, Charlize begins to battle her own insecurities as well as the vengeful pirate Kent, who now holds her and the Lady Isabel captive. Will Charlize lose her love for Edmund as well as the life of her unborn child? As they battle the tempests that threaten to tear them apart, is there any way Edmund and Charlize can regain the helm and steer their way back to the haven they both so desperately seek? Or will their love drown in a whirlpool of treachery and deceit? I'm sorry, the 
the wording. <laughs> the nautical words there. That was I mean, on theme. On theme. On theme. He was really pushing the theme. There you go. I have a question. Okay. Yes. Do you ladies remember when we were picking? Because I was definitely the one who pitched pirate things. I was like, oh, yes. this will be really interesting. Like, you don't see a lot of this in Christian fiction. Yada, mm -hmm. yada, yada. When we were looking up what books to read for this, mm -hmm. do you guys remember us reading the back cover copy of this book at all? I remember. It? Like, how I did we pick this one? We read back cover copies of a few pirate books. I think it might've been maybe the first one or something. I don't know. I remember we read some, but we also, it was the day that we were planning out season two mm -hmm. and we yeah. read probably 40 to 50 back cover copies. Yeah. So I don't know that anything about that would have been like, oh, maybe we want to read the first one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that we talked about pirate books or something or maybe maybe you just re recommended that one morgan i can't remember now but well this is why i'm wondering because hearing that back cover first of all it's not jogging anything in my brain at all and secondly i know my buzzwords as a person like you know in general like there's certain things that, like hook you and i know what mine are and none of them were in there and this is like i read this book and so obviously i know what it's about but like hearing that i was trying to think of it like okay what what made me pick it up i was like nothing about that back cover would have made past morgan pick up this book so i was just trying to think how we picked it i don't think i feel like by that back cover it we did not pick it by the back cover surely not so there must have been some other reason that we picked that one. i wonder if because when we were doing the quirky offbeat picks that was kind of your baby so to speak um mm -hmm. and um <clears throat> i'm wondering um uh, so um, I'm wondering if we just literally were like, oh, this is a Christian fiction pirate book. Let's just go with it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? like maybe, maybe it was like the first one that we saw. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I also I don't want to assume I did not do re research on that. But I don't know how many authors have written Christian pirate books that there might not have been a plethora of bounty to choose from. So to speak. I think that there's two or three. I think Mary Lou Tyndall has written several pirate books. And I think maybe one other author that's relatively popular. Yeah. But it's definitely not a, a subgenre that you see a lot of. But anyways, I was just curious because I'm sitting there listening like nothing in that hooked me. So no, I'm curious what made us pick that I don't remember any I don't remember ever reading this back cover copy right. before in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do remember because when we did the undetected episode, I remembered reading multiple back covers and we chose that one. So I don't know if that's fair. So I'm not saying that, but also I could have been like, at that point I could have decided I didn't really have an opinion because I've never read a pirate book. So I could have been like, sure that works. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would have been my MO. I'm not sure. Um, but anyways, so. I feel like you also can't, I mean, you can say whatever you want of that. But listen, as someone who has read a lot of pirate books and enjoyed a lot of them a lot more than I enjoyed this one. Oh, no. Let's talk after the recording. Before you decide that you're anti-pirate book. Mm. Also, technically, there were pirates in the Lost Bookshop or the Bookshop of Secrets. That's but true. But that was on a pirate book. Restaurant. Huh? I love that that book. Bought a copy and got it signed by her at the event that we were at yes. in J July. But what I but what I'm saying is, but it wasn't I, like pirates is a main. That would be a pirate. It was surprise pirates. Like, do you like pirates. the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? 
um, they're okay. I feel like there's just a lot of violence and fighting and sure. depravity. Yeah. And okay. Yes. And what I'm saying, I've read some pirate books where that's not highlighted as much. Oh, okay. Maybe I would be. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because I don't like the depravity and the fighting as much either. Yeah. And it was really um, highlighted in this. Oh, no, for really. sure. Um, okay. So we should do star ratings and then Let's jump into um, Mads Rad's reviews. Yes. Okay. Star ratings. Who wants star to reviews? I will go first. Okay, go ahead, Madeline. I will go first. I'm ready to go first. I finished this book about three hours ago. So it's fresh. I can do this. <laughs> um, and I'm settling on a two. It's pretty low for me I realized that but um there there wasn't a lot that I liked about this book um there was def I mean there was probably elements of it because I kept going back and forth thinking like maybe I would have liked maybe I would have been able to invest in the main characters more had I read the first book but there were so many other elements um story-wise and that I really disliked and even like the redemption lol that's I'm pretty sure that's the name of the first book um <laughs> but the redemption of the characters like the full circle of these characters I there's a lot of elements that I actually wasn't okay with in those like so closing those circles um felt a little shady to me sometimes um so yeah I'm going with the two even though the writing the writing style was fine I mean I wouldn't say it's my favorite but it wasn't bad at all it was I mean clearly this woman is 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 a skilled writer um but yeah I think the, the, my main issue was just the story fair enough you go next Morgan sure um well I told the girls one thing at the start of the at the top before we recorded and now I'm going since we've been talking about it for like 20 minutes before we even started recording now I'm like debating so originally I was gonna go with the three but honestly thinking about it a little bit more now and you guys brought up a couple of things that I had probably forgotten slash blocked out um I think I'm not gonna go much lower than a three but I do think I'm gonna go with a 2.75 um so I I would not say that I enjoyed the book per se. I appreciated aspects of it. I, um, I, I'll get more into this later, but I had an appreciation for the way the author um, talked about some of the hard things. Um, because I feel like while might not have necessarily been, might not have been necessary, um, I do think that there was an element of like, okay, well, her trying to, instead of like totally romanticizing the pirate's life, there was an element of like, this is probably how some of it would have been. Like, let's, let's talk about the messier aspects of it and then work. Um, some redemption and stuff into that so I kind of admired that instead of it just being this like oh pirates and 
everything's gray. And then look, here's this pirate with a heart of gold with no vices. That does like it, it didn't make sense. That wouldn't make sense at all. So I think I appreciated that the author approached it from a little bit more of a realistic standpoint. Um, but that being said, there was a lot of uh, tough stuff to read. There was a to me, an extremely problematic element of the plot that they're clearly going to talk about in book three um, that I, I don't feel like I'm okay with at all. And um, and so for that reason, I can't give it a very high rating. Um, so 2.75 is my final rating. Okay. Well, I'm going to be in the middle. It's 2.5. So <clears throat> I was telling the girls, I struggle sometimes with star ratings because I tend to be like, well, if I said this book was a two and a half or this book was a three or whatever, but it's like the book itself. So this book, I rated it 2.5. There was some really tough stuff to read. Um, I also feel like, well, maybe I could read a, <laughs> another pirate book at some point and enjoy that a little bit more. I didn't love that kind of theme. And I think in part because unlike you all know, listeners, if you listen to any episodes that my love of romantic suspense is unquelchable. Um, um, anyways, I don't know if that was the right word, but anyways, all saying is I would read those and there is elements of, you know, you're not sure you're navigating something, you're figuring it out, but this felt like, I didn't know what was happening. And just when I was like, okay, got through that, something else would happen. But also I bet you anything that that's very accurate to what it was like to be in that 1660 life as a woman, as a pirate, as a Christian, insert the you know, adjective there. Um, so yeah, or the, the noun I should say, but I, I don't know. I feel like there was parts of the story that I found problematic. I'll be very interested to see if they were the same problematic issues that you two found Morgan and Madeline. But, um, uh, for me, there was definitely a really big God factor in there. And so that, cause I, that's kind of what tipped my, um, rating up from like a two to a 2.5 because it just for some reason, I don't know if it was headspace I was in when I was reading it, but there was something that was very gripping to me, which I'll get into in the God factor. Um, but yeah, I also thought the writer's style, she did a good job of keeping up the energy and like you felt like you were reading, like I feel like you could watch this movie. I don't know that I would, but I feel like it kind of plays out like uh, just because I don't love pirate movies. But I'm saying that like it, it played out fast. Like there was never a point where you were bored in the story. It was like thing after thing after thing after thing, which for a book that I didn't particularly wa want to read because I don't know that, I, I mean, again, I would be curious to see if other pirate books spoke to me, but this one, since this one did, did not, I didn't go into this book excited. So I think not feeling like I'm crawling and it's like a treacherous journey across the ocean and it was like fast paced and there was all kind of stuff happening and at one point I was like this is chaotic I literally texted the girls I think like this is pure chaos you know um so anyways my rating is 2.5 okay oh, all across the board well all across the board um okay let me just pull up our little uh, sound effect here and we can jump into our uh, first <clears throat> A screenshot. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry to have to remind you. Matt's Rad Reviews. All right, Mads, what do you got for us? Okay, so I have some fun reviews. Mm -hmm. This is an older book. This, I mean, older is a relative word. It 
was published in 2006. So almost 20 years. Um, we're getting up there. Um, so there weren't like, there was, there were some reviews that I found. So, um, let me, let me hit you with them. Let's start with a five-star review. Okay. So here's a five-star review from Jackie. Jackie says, I love this author. She writes my kind of books, pirates, swords, ships, kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. I would like to find more of her books. Well, lucky for you, Jackie. She's written several more. She's written a whole Honestly, series. Honestly, Jackie, I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Um, also, her uh, testimony um, is that she, the author, Mary Lou Tyndall, she literally said that she was inspired by the Pirates of the Caribbean and felt called to write a Christian pirate book. So there you go. You felt Amazing. it, Jackie. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Here is a three-star review from Carolyn. Carolyn says, this book was not an easy read. I cringed to see how um, to see how Merrick changed. I would have liked to have seen mention of he and Charlize honestly discussing what happened while he thought her dead. I agree, Carolyn. <laughs> Amen, <laughs> I, Carolyn. I, I like to see that honest discussion. <laughs> Absolutely. We were all thinking that. We were like, what is going on? <laughs> Oh, okay. a, little, a little bit of dabbling into that, like a little bit of it. So I like, just, but not really enough. Focus if we're going with the C theme here. Sure. Okay, um, here is a four-star review from Shannon. Shannon says, mm -hmm. "I didn't like this one as much as the first one." Is that her entire review? That's it. So I'm guessing maybe she gave the first one five stars. Five stars, surely. <laughs> I don't know. This one was less. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, we have a three-star review from Anne. Anne said, it was okay. Too much repetitive actions. I won't be getting any more from this series. There you go. Fair enough. Real question. Is it Anne with an E or Anne without an E? It is Anne with an E. Jackpot. Props. Jackpot. Yeah. All righty. Well, that was good. Thank you, Madeline. And uh, thank you for those who submitted reviews. <laughs> we enjoy finding them. Yeah. Review your books. Review the books you read, people. Yes. <laughs> That's how you can start doing that. I, can, I, can I make a confession? No, maybe I shouldn't say that, especially on a recording. Do it. Oh, well, unless it's inappropriate. It, no, it's not inappropriate. I've never reviewed a book online. That's not surprising to me, really. Listen, we can all grow. <laughs> all improve. <laughs> I do think though we should have a good reads for the pod and then we could post reviews uh, like as a as a yeah user. I don't know why we haven't done that yet we need yeah. to be that's yeah. just that's just that just makes sense that's a given yeah um one more thing to add to our list of things we want to do Alrighty. so this sound effect has literally never been more appropriate so prepare yourself listener prepare yourself let's dive in It's actually perfect. Yes. <laughs> Literally, you almost played it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like this could be a timed um, review. I know that our podcasts are timed, but I'm saying I think it, it's not going to take us as long as we normally do to kind of deep dive because 
it's pretty, I don't know. It's just kind of straightforward yet chaotic. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but it's a lot of like back and forth, but doing the same things like back and forth. Pill yeah. They're pillaging this town and they're back on the ship. Then they're shooting yeah, the another town. They're pillaging yeah. another town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of Yo-ho, yo-ho. <laughs> yo-ho. <laughs> it's it's a pirate's life. life for them. Okay, so the book opens, and they're on an island in the Caribbean, and you meet... Portobello. Portobello. Thank you, Madeline. And um, we meet um, Edmund Merrick, Captain uh, Merrick, and his wife, Clarice. Charlize. Charlize. <laughs> Hello. I literally spent the entire book thinking that was how you pronounced her name. <laughs> Anyways, we meet them. and basically you find out that they've been married for about three years. And during that time, they've only been together for pockets of time. And whatever, yep. uh, whatever decisions, because Merrick used to be a pirate. So you find this out all out in, in the beginning. Came a Christian and he gave up kind of pirating. His pirating ways. He became a, a privateer, which basically was his way of arresting and going after pirates. Um, it's basically just a it's the same, thing. It's the like same the, thing. It's like the equivalent of uh, a good outlaw versus a bad outlaw. You know, like but now he's a he's a pirate for Jesus. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> did he say that at one point? Yes. Did, did he say that? I, I, I feel like that was in there. Oh, I thought it was. I don't he's, think so. He's a privateer. A privateer. Looking for men's souls. Yes. That's what it was. That's there what it was. There you go. So um, basically, though, you find out that wherever they, on this island that they are, that it is unsafe and that they're being attacked by pirates. And that happens, like, within the first two pages. Yep. And so basically, you hear Merrick's kind of internal dialogue of, why did I bring my wife here? Like, she's not safe here. You know, this kind of thing. So, so she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> he's like, hold on, I'm going to go see what's happening. And then basically they try to escape. And as they're escaping, he like fights off pirates. Cause he's like a well-known captain. Like people know him and he's like apparently very skilled. The name of his and, ship is called the redemption, mm -hmm. which is also um, the name of the first book in the series. Yes. Um, and so basically she, while they're out running, he's like literally on a, on a, on a horse fighting off pirates, like sword, the whole, the whole nine yards. And they're on their way out and they see children outside of a church um, crying. Yes. And um, his wife is like, oh, my God, stop. We need to save the children. He's like, no, I promise to protect you and our like child. I'm, you know, our un unborn child. I need to like take care of you. She's like, no. And then basically he has to, I, I think he has to go find help or something. So she's like with these children and then the church explodes and he thinks she has passed away. Like as he's riding away. Or as he's running away. Like, literally, he like wheels the horse seconds. around and the church like explodes. And he's like, Charlize! Very dramatic. Exactly. And what you find out very quickly is she was not in the church, neither were the children. An old nemesis of Merrick, who was unhappy at the fact that he had this great life Captain now. Captain Kent Carlton, which yes. I love that name, actually. Yeah, I do too. Um, I'm curious if he... I. Uh, if he comes into play in, in, in the third book. I feel like it's uh, yes, I think 100%. If he doesn't, I'm so mad. Yeah. Be in, enraged. Enraged. Wait, so, you're saying Captain Kent Carlton? Are you asking yeah. about that? Captain Kent He's Carlton. the hero of the third book. 
Oh, there you go. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he's not yes. in this book, that would be enraging. Anyways, so she's taken by Captain yeah. Kent Carlton. He's she's it's taken like aboard. We never find out what happens to the kids. They run off the They never come back to the children. We, we never know what happens to them. Um, All you know is that they were not in the church because right. they survived. They survived. Yeah. So she's taken aboard on the island that was being attacked by a pirate. So we don't know. We don't know. She take she's taken aboard Captain Carl Kent Carlton's ship as a hostage, and she soon finds out she soon finds out there's another woman on board his ship, a woman named Lady Isabel Ashton Ashton, mm-hmm. and who is also a hostage on the ship, and who was captured by Carlton, and who was raped by Carlton, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but who now Carlton is quasi in love with. And is trying to and get trying to good races, even though he literally raped her, and she's carrying his child. But she doesn't but know. She doesn't know that at the beginning of the book. He doesn't know that. He, he doesn't, doesn't know that at all during the book. No. But she is wow. the daughter of a governor of one of the islands, so she's like... So she's like, yeah, very well to do. Oh, no. No, was that her? Was that Elisa? Oh, no, that was the other person that was raped later oh. on in the book. Oh, my God. Anyways... But we Isabel Ashton, record. Isabel Ashton, her her family's like a prominent family, mm-hmm. so she's very wealthy and has like status, um, in the community. Anyways, um, so basically, we're getting like some back and forth between Edwin Merrick and then Charlize the whole time until they like meet again. Yeah. Um, so the end of the book. Yes. And basically. She thinks the entire book that he has abandoned her. Yes. And we'll talk about that more. But then he thinks she died because he right. Kent paid off we something. Explode. Well, n- not just that. Also, the pirate P- Captain Kent paid off someone to tell Merrick that they found a woman's body in the church. So that's why. Yes. yes. So basically, he's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Like he's upset, heartbroken. And then he goes on basically a rampage and all the things that he gave up. And like said that he was no longer going to do, he starts doing. So he's like struggling with his face, face, yep. and det- decides to. I hate this term, but I'm going to use it. Becomes backslidden. I literally hate that term. He straight up slides down the backslide. 90s, like Christian thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. I don't know what how else to describe it. He's becomes backslidden and is extremely depressed as you would be, um, and reverts to um, alcohol, which is something that he had given up when he became a Christian and is is just drunk all the time. Yes. And around his... Rum and revenge are what he wants. That's that's all he thinks about. All he can think about. I love his memoirs. (laughs) A memoir. Rum and revenge. A memoir by Captain Edward. A pirate's memoir. (laughs) A pirate's memoir. Yes. Um, I get that. I would not read that, but I'm sure it would be interesting to maybe somebody. That would be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what we're getting from him. He is whatever. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so on Charlize's side, she's also battling with her faith in a big way, but instead of turning her back on God, she is choosing to um, to Hold fast, mm-hmm. the Rock of Ages. I don't know how else. She's hold fast to the Rock of Ages. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not, you're not, it's amazing. 
<laughs> she's clinging to the only hope that she has left in her life, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, which is beautiful, actually, to read on the page. In some spots, it's like, wow, that's very yeah. inspiring. I don't know that I would have that type of faith in your situation. Yeah. Um, so she um, and Isabel kind of become friends because they're forced into this life together. They're trying... Is uh, in the beginning, Charlize is like, "Listen, Edmund is going to come back for me. Our husband's going to come find us. He's going to come rescue us." Isabel is like, "I don't believe in God. I don't know your husband. I don't know. Like, I don't like, think anyone's coming to save us." The worst thing that, that that's ever happened. She's like, "I don't know about any of this." And then they become sort of. Um, uh, sh- Isabel sees Charisse, Clarice's what's her name? Charlize. Charlize's faith, and. Start, start starts to kind of see that play out when like she herself goes through really traumatic things during this first kind of part of the book. As Madeline said, she has a pregnancy loss and it's very triggering and it's a whole thing. Um, and um, Kent and her are also going back more. They clearly have a history and she's like, she's like a, she's a sassy woman. Like um, she's not going to just, and this is Charlize. No, Charlize. 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 Yes. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm going to apologize, listeners. I will That's probably know how to pronounce that next time I say her okay. name. But anyways, so she is very, like, fiery, and she's also determined, and not only is America going to rescue her, but she's not going to go down. She, she's not going to go down softly. Like, this is not going to be, you know, <clears throat> the the end for her. And at one point, they see the redemption. No, they see the redemption, yeah. Um, pass Merit by. Ship. Yeah, Merrick ship. But he doesn't know she's alive. And so she's so excited. And she's like, oh, my God, he's going to come rescue us. Isabella told you this. And Merrick's shit keeps going on because he has no idea that Kent took her because he thinks she's dead. So then pivot back, back to Merrick. This whole thing happens where he basically decides he's going to go after um, this captain who he thinks killed um, Cap- Cap- Captain Morgan, who he thinks killed her his, his wife. And so he basically goes on this rampage and his ship is basically like, we're not doing this. Like, this isn't like what, what we're going to do. We're not going to go have revenge. So that's when he basically starts um, being a compadre, if you will, with um, Captain Collier, who's brutal. And even when he was a pirate, the way that it kind of led you to believe in the story, Merrick always thought he was more brutal than he even was in his worst pirate days. Like, oh, he was, yeah. Yeah. And so... Like the worst kind of The pirate. worst of the worst, yeah. And basically like making a pledge with the devil is kind of the vibe that you get. But he's basically like, listen, because, you know, America's dr- drunk at a bar. Um, and um, so Collier's like, come with me. We'll, I need you to help help, help me pillage because if I can get Captain Merrick on my side, there's no, no stopping us. And then we'll, I'll find you, Captain Morgan. We'll get Morgan. We'll, I'll take you to Morgan. You need my you ship. Like, listen, I know where he is. I know what ship he's on. Da, da, da. So, so they're like, we're going to Tortuga, baby. We're going to Tortuga. Where they're going to pillage next. I don't know. And then, but then Captain Kent's like, we're going to Tortuga, baby. Yeah. Um, for, for some reason, like, oh my God, they're going to see each other at Tor- Tortuga. Because Whoa, they, like, you'll go. Oh, I was going to say, throughout this whole book, I was literally like, this is one of those moments that, like, you know something as the reader that the characters don't. And so you're like, oh, my God, how are you going to find each other? And so you're, like, waiting, waiting, waiting. Because you're obviously, like, this isn't a series. Like, they're not going to kill off clearly two of the main characters. Like, they're going to meet up. So anyways. um, Well, here's what happens. They get to Tortuga. Their boat docks. And um, Captain 
um, Carlton like takes the ladies up onto the decks to like, cause again, he's always trying to get into Isabel's good graces. Oh, always. And um, so that he's like, I'll take them on a walk up on the t- up top deck. And so they're walking around. Charlize sees Merrick's ship is in the port at Tortuga. Yeah. She starts yelling his name. She's like, Merrick, Merrick, I love you. Come save me. And, and so he like, He's like, no. Then he locks them in a cell in the bottom. He locks her in a cell, not not Isabel, because he has a soft spot for her. He locks, um, okay, Charlize in there. Anyways, like, in- what happens is this guy, who's called Cutter, and he's a doctor. His oh my god, his name is Cutter, and he's a doctor. Um, it's terrifying. Um, he comes out because he's like, you know what? I feel really bad for you. And also he was like helping this woman when she lost her child. And so he's like, I feel really bad for you. So he comes and lets her out of the ship and then, and then gets a little boat and paddles her over to the redemption. Yeah. And so she gets on the redemption and she's like, yo, mateys, it's <laughs> wife. And they're like, no, oh, no, our- no, no. Yeah. But, and and they're, they're like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We clearly are. <laughs> sorry, we're virtual. <laughs> we're virtual, so we're talking over each other. Um, what I was going to say is, so she goes to get on the boat, and basically that's when she finds out that Merrick has literally abandoned his own ship and has joined forces with, with Collier and is back to pirating. Yep. And he's like, you know what? I had enough of this business, and I'm going to go find Merrick. So she's like, listen up here, pirates. I'm now your captain. And she's like, I'm the captain now. Yeah, I'm the captain now. And they're like, uh, no, you're not. And then she basically convinces them. And the one guy, Sloan, because like she used to be on the ship with Merrick. So right. they knew her. So the one guy, Sloan, who's like his second in command. First mate. Um, first mate, yes. Um, and so he basically is like kind of her, kind of tells her things or whatever, you know, and, and yep. kind of helps her. Um, and so she's like, okay, we're going to go find um, Merrick. Merrick. Um, and she takes Isabel with her. So her and Isabel are now on the redemption. So they're like, she's like, starboard, ho. They Let's leave. <laughs> they leave. Of course, the Vanquisher, which is Kent Carlton's ship, comes to follow them. And everybody on the boat on the redemption is in a tizzy because the Vanquisher starts like firing cannons at them. And um basically is not Isabel. Charlize is like, you know what? I won't say some prayers. Holy Spirit activate. She prays and asks the Lord for help. And he literally, um, I can't remember what happens in that first, that first like God in a divine intervention that happens. Because the second one's the lightning. I think it's just a storm. The storm. That's right. There's like this massive storm and like this huge gust of wind that like blows the vanquisher completely out of the way. And everyone on the ship is like, how did she do that? And she goes, that wasn't me. That was God. Boom. Now she's like, maybe I can be a pirate captain because I got to be a pirate captain. So then she, she's determined then though that, that, that she's going to make this her kind of own. So yes. she um, is also, and like, cause then they, they kind of go to another island. Cause she's like, listen, if I can get to another island, can figure out where America is, all this kind of stuff. She was like, we're going to say something. Like, let's go to Port Royal. Yes. 
I think um, in, I feel like I should go to Port Royal. The Holy Spirit was telling her to go to Port Royal. Yes, which, right, is, that's what I do. which is like where they met or where yes. they got married or something like that. Yes. Yes. Oh, and part of that too was when when Merrick changed his mind, his crew was trying to get him to go talk to the pastor who saved who helped him get saved the first time, which I assume is in the first book. Um, but um Merrick was like turned his back on God and, and turned to rum and revenge. He was like, I don't want to talk to that guy. Yeah. So back to Merrick, him and Collier are pillaging, doing their thing. And Merrick's definitely not pillaging as much, but he also needs to prove to Collier that he's on his side. So he's kind of trying to like live his life, but not really. And they go to the one island and this is where we meet um, Elisa. Elisa, um, yeah. Elisa. Yeah. And she is basically the daughter of a, um, yes, a governor. And it becomes this whole thing where like they're swearing there, there's more treasure, there's not. And like Collier's like, listen, and he's basically, he tells Merrick to kill her father. And what he does is he literally stabs the father in a way that he can actually survive and says, um, pretend that you're dead. And then uh, Collier takes Elise with him. So it's just the whole thing. Um, And basically... Um, don't need to get into the taller details, but a pirate takes a woman you can imagine, you know. Anyway, yes. so then basically, though, um, Merrick, I think this is kind of where he starts to see that, like, this emptiness that he's feeling is, yes, because his wife has died, but also because he's not actually being fulfilled trying to do the thing that he used to do, you know. Um, and so... Um, he kind of becomes, I want to say like friendly friends with Elise, but not like, like he's, he, he's trying to protect her because he does feel like she's on the ship with all these pirates, you know, this kind of thing. Um, okay. okay. Can we, we have to talk about this moment of the book. Okay. We have, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. What moment you're talking about? I don't know, but I will know as soon as you start talking about it. <laughs> you know what? We can't talk about this. Just, just kidding. Cut this part. <laughs> we can't talk about it. Okay, it, it will. You remember? Do you guys remember? We can cut this part out if we need to. But he literally, Morgan, do you remember? He literally takes. Okay, so Collier and Merrick go back with Alyssa, Alyssa, mm-hmm. back to the ship, and. Collier's super drunk. He takes her down to his cabin and presumably rapes her. Merrick is like so conflicted by like the Holy Spirit to go and try to help this woman that he breaks down the cabin door and comes in and this woman's like by herself. And he's like, where's that scoundrel, that, that cad Collier. And she's like, he's gone. And he's like, did he do anything? What did he do anything to you? And she goes, no. He couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and he like went downstairs to yell at his guys then. <laughs> and then he was yeah. so mad that he like went on a rampage through the ship. And then that happened again. They talk about yeah. it. And then his crew, Merrick is literally like, he's like, okay, this guy's freaking impotent. And he's mocking him for it. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. then that's where from there the crew realizes that they can't like that they're like. They've kind of lost respect. So basically Merrick finds out that he can easily take the ship. Like they're, they're like, yeah, if you want to, like there's enough of us who will come if you want to do mutiny um, against Collier. 
we can cut that but i was if we need to but i was like yo the fact that this is this is yeah. funny to me that was funny. it was comical to me too because that was again that was one of those things like i was talking about where i was like what what am i listening what, what, what am i reading did the author really just include this detail wait yeah. what <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like you're freaking kidding me that is crazy mm -hmm. that that I'm yes. right now. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway. she's not raped. No, she is traumatized for sure, though. Extremely um, poor girl. So then, in the middle of all this, basically, they're going to go to Port Royal, and so is um, Clarice and Isabel and Charlize. Um, and wow, close enough. Um, very close. Um, so basically, no, but before before they go there, because she sees him at Tortogla. Remember, that's where she goes, and they're like, "No, you dress like a man. No one gets off the boat as as a woman." And they go, and that's where she sees Merrick with Elise. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Port Royal where they where they see where she sees him. But she does. She ends up dressing like a man because walking. Oh, like you're right. It's Tortuga. It's Tortuga. Because mm -hmm. Sloane is like, listen, you can't go to Tortuga as a woman. As a woman, like it's terrible. You cannot do it. And she's like, okay, I won't go as a woman. I'm gonna get me some breeches. I'm gonna dress as disguise dress up like a man. And it's it's this part was actually funny. All the the Kaiser, because at this point she she's earned the respect of the pirates on her yes, ship. Yes. And she's yeah, like some of them not, but like I would say 80% of them are, you know. Anyways, and so she <clears throat> so she literally they literally tell her that she needs how to walk like a man and how to talk in a voice. And it, I just found that very funny. And um, how to like draw her cutlass and yes, and like she she talked about it being too. <laughs> It being too heavy and like you need to get her smaller. Anyways, so she basically goes to the bar, and in that time, Merrick finds out like while she's walking to the bar because they're like this is where Merrick's gonna be, if if he's here, and because they see Collier. Also, the and name so of the name of the tavern is Drunken Skunk. <laughs> I thought that was really <laughs> funny and like totally like twentieth century. I know. <clears throat> but anyway, that was amazing. Um, so basically, I'll do a quick summary of this part. So Merrick and Collier are drinking, and and Collier tells everyone that he's going to basically sell Elise to the highest bidder, so to speak. And so Merrick decides in that moment to purchase her, um, basically, and be like, "No, I'm just going to take her back to the the ship because he doesn't want for her for anything other than he's trying to protect her." Well, but he's also he he wasn't even going to go with Collier. No. To onto the island of Tortuga, he, he was, was going to steal his ship, mutant, commit mutiny, steal the ship while mm -hmm. he was on Tortuga. But yes. the Holy Spirit told him to go and help Alyssa. Yes. And he was he like, goes. and that's where it is. Yeah. So he's basically like, um, so Collier won't just let him because he's like, well, I'll just take take her back to the ship and do my bidding. And Collier's like, no, show us like whatever. So basically she's sitting on Merrick's lap and like they're kissing and that's when Charlize walks into the bar dressed as a man and sees Merrick kissing another woman and she's like so upset and then she has to like fight off pirates and all this kind of stuff and like literally she leaves and she's like crying and she's like you know um and Sloan the first matey like saw the whole thing and it's and he's like, because he's kind of finding God along the way. So he's basically, he tells her, like, listen, he'll come around. Like, don't worry. It's not what you think. And she's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And um, she's like, I never want to see that Bill Tratt ever yes, Exactly. She's like, I'm pretty sure she uses that language. Yeah. Because her whole thing is that she felt abandoned by 
God and all this kind of stuff. And she was fighting through that. And then to see her husband basically abandon her, she was like, forget about it. Now, still, Merrick doesn't know that she's, think she's dead. He thinks she's dead. I'm not justifying his action. I'm just saying he thinks she's dead. She sees him do this. So then basically, um, we meanwhile, though, while she was dressed as a man going, you know, through the bar, seeing Merrick, Kent finds the ship and takes Isabel back. Yes. So, and then um, Merrick takes over command of Collier's ship. Collier's ship basically makes Collier walk the plank. Um, takes over, takes over his ship, and is like to Port Royal, Port Royal, ho! And that's where. And, and at the same time, Charlize is like Port Royal, ho! And so basically, they both get to Port Royal. And um, I can't remember what happens, but oh, America's like, they get close, and America's like, that's, that's my ship. ship. Yes. And, yes. and, and he sees the like, stubby pirate, the stubby pirate captain who was in the bar fighting and wasn't very good. And he's like, who the heck took, took over my ship? Let this little boy take over my ship. Yes. So it's hilarious because. He's like waving the white flag of like I'm a like friendly, friendly, friendly. And she's like, like no, fire away, boys, fire, fire. <laughs> she starts chunking cannons at the satisfaction, and he's like, whatever. They get close enough. He boards the ship. It's this whole thing. She's he's like there. there, takes off her hat, reveals her hair, the whole thing. He's like, you're alive, like, Charlize. You're alive. She slaps him across the face. It's amazing. Well, because he also um, brought Elise with him. He oh, yeah. He literally home. brings the list. <laughs> 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 she smacks him across the face. And then the next few chapters are just the... I can't even talk about them, Odette, because I just feel like it's just okay. the worst. The worst, like... R- marriage resolution i've ever read <laughs> like, well i'll just summarize real quick then yes, yes, yes the ending so basically she's like obviously mad at merrick for everything he's like i don't know i'm really happy you're alive she's like get away from me so it's basically lots of like three or four chapters of this in the meantime basically then they have a quote-unquote redemption meaning that they're kind of and she's basically like i need you to do this thing for me it's not full but it's like kind of there she's tolerating him and she's like basically i need you to help me get Lady Elizabeth, Lady Isabel back, and um, then what was the thing that he wanted? Nothing. He's just going to do what she wanted. Yeah. yeah. Then she um, wanted him to take both of them back to like her family. She's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not staying with you. Yeah. And he's like, All right. So, and basically, he, she like wins him over to help get get the vanquisher. And he's like, Kent. She's like, Yeah. He's the one who took me, and like all this kind of stuff. And so, um, and he does find out in the, uh, that first couple chapter that she had lost the baby. So anyways, they um, basically see the vanquisher, but he, oh, he gives his first mate on the satisfaction, which is Collier's old ship. He gives him like the ability to um, kind of man that ship. And he goes with um, Therese over to find the, the vanquisher. They find it. But in the meantime, when that, when the vanquisher is coming, they see that because um, Collier, if you remember, uh, Captain Merrick forced him to walk the plank. And so he's obviously a little bit, you know, angry at um, Merrick for that. And so you see him coming 
on another ship. So basically now they have two ships. So it's the redemption and the satisfaction against this new person ship. Don't remember the name of it and the vanquisher. And so Isabel's like, listen, I got God or not Isabel. Charlize is like, I got God on my side. You go take care. You go get lady Isabel off the ship. Come back here. I'm going to fight off this other ship. And he's like, uh, Collier is very religious. She's like, don't you worry. She's like, unlike you, I've been trusting God. You know, she's like, listen here. And unlike you, I've been trusting God. So, so then basically, um, Kent basically surrenders and there's not really a fight. And he gives Lady Isabel. um, And she's literally like, wow, he gave me up. (sighs) Like Stockholm syndrome is happening in. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. She's pregnant with his baby. Okay. So anyways, so then. Oh, God. so then, um, uh, basically, uh, Charlize is like facing it on. She's like telling them, and basically, very quickly realizes that this other ship, she's out gun, she's out man, and she's like, I don't know what to do. So she starts praying. No storm comes, and then she's like, you know what? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom! Here comes the, the satisfaction. Boom! Sets the the other ship on fire. There goes. And they they get Collier and lock him up, and then they're gonna like give him to, to the authorities. And then the book ends with Lady Isabel being rescued and being taken back home. Um, Elisa is also going to be taken back home. And, um, or maybe she was already at that point. That part, I can't fully remember. Um, And Collier's locked up. And then basically Merrick's like, hey, listen, do you want to go live on the land? And she's like, no, I kind of like this pirate life. And I kind of like commanding a ship. So what if we command the ship and become pirates for Jesus? The pirate's life really is for me. Yeah. That's how the book ends. Literally, literally. And he's like, okay. Uh. <laughs> and that was, oh, also, this book is called The Reliance because at one point, after, is it after she starts captaining the ship? Like really starts captaining. And after she sees Merrick with Elise and in the bar, and she's so upset, she literally ru- she goes back to the ship and she literally is like, I'm gonna rename this. I'm gonna call it the Reliance because the only person I can rely on is the Lord. That does happen. There you go. There you I go. Mean, we've all been there. We've all been there. All been we've there. all renamed our ship, so to speak. <laughs> Whoa. Morgan's recommended reads. All right, Morgan, what do you got for us? can't just drop like a bomb like that on me and now i'm like reeling from that i'm like you're right we have all renamed our ships <laughs> it was one of those things where i said it as my finger was hitting the play and i didn't know what to do so i just rolled with That's it good. that was really good um okay so i um the, i don't anyways um i had a hard time coming up with books to recommend, even though I've read a lot of pirate books, they're not necessarily ones that I can recommend mm-hmm. on the podcast. Um, but so I was also full disclosure, I read this book like two weeks ago, and there's a reason that you didn't hear from me during the summary, and that reason is that I didn't remember as Odette and Madeline were saying, <laughs> I was like, that's right, that did happen. Oh, yeah, that happened. So I was having a hard time pulling out themes of um, what I wanted to recommend for. So I, I did get some help. Odette helped me a little bit. Ben, my husband, helped me a little bit. 
Um, one of the ones that I wanted to recommend that I think is possibly the best pirate adjacent book of all time. Um, also an excellent, um, there's like an element of disguise in it. It's second chance romance. There's, there's so much in it and it's amazing. And that is The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Oh. I'm going to recommend that everyone's seen the movie if you haven't read the book. I'm recommending both the book and the movie. Fabulous. Yes. Different, but amazing. Um, I feel like um, sword fighting, suspense, revenge, true love, adventure. <laughs> so Perfect. I'm going to recommend that. That's kind of a gimme. I asked my uh, husband if he could recommend any um, pirate books to me, because he reads a lot of nonfiction. And so I actually asked him, I was like, hey, do you have any specific recommendations? And he did, of course, because he's read something about everything. And um, the book that he recommended is called uh, Pirate Queen, The Pirate Queen, and it's by Susan Ronald. It's how Queen Elizabeth I used pirates to turn England into a world power. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> so I've not read this book, and I didn't know that Queen Elizabeth I used pirates. I didn't know that. Um, ben did, though, because he read the book, and he said it was a very interesting read, and he recommended it. So there's that. And then the other one, Odette, kindly gave me um, a prompt, and she's like, well, what about, like, Second Chance? romance because there's a second hand romance in this. I was like, oh, yes, good, good one. Thank you, Odette. And I've read a lot of second chance romance, but the one, this is, I'm recommending this book, even though I'm literally in the middle of reading it right now. So I don't, I haven't even finished the ending, but I, it's so good that I'm going to recommend it on the podcast. Anyways, I talked about it in a previous podcast episode because I picked it up at the reader's retreat that we just went on, and that is This Wandering Heart by Janine Roche. I'm in the middle of this book right now. Oh, it's so amazing. It's this yeah. brilliantly wonderful second chance romance of these high school sweethearts that kind of separated at a pretty tough pivotal point in their life. And they're still, one of them is very much into the other one. The other one's like, I'm not into you yet, but just give it time, people. Just give it time. And it's fabulous. So those are my recommendations. <clears throat> those are great mornings. I feel like you always say, oh, I don't know. And then you have great recommendations. I know. Great. I know. It's it's amazing. Um, okay. So up next. Odette's relevant research. That's right, folks. So that's relevant research time. And I'm Odette, and I'm going to tell you some things that, that I found relevant. First of all, I feel like we go down a lot of rabbit trails, but I was like, don't know a lot about pirates other than they existed in the Caribbean. And if you listen to our bookshop of secrets, you also know that they existed on the Great Lakes. So, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to that. Um, also, for the record, we talked about this before the, the podcast, that while this is the second book in the series that we read that has mentioned pirates, this was the first pirate book that we read. It is different if the book mentions pirates. Um, so anyways, Good. so you're probably thinking to yourself, hmm, let's 
get some facts about pirates. I How was people become pirates. A couple of ways. Okay. Also, trigger warning. This is history. I did preliminary research, and this isn't all pretty and sunshine and roses. So, for the record, I'm not condoning pirates at all. For the record. Uh, okay. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. In in case you <laughs> weren't aware. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Now, how do people become a pirate? Many pirates came from poor urban areas in search of a way to make money and reprieve. London in particular was known for high unemployment, crowding, poverty, which drove people to piracy. Piracy also offered uh, power and quick riches. Another way, possibly the most common way, in which a man would become a pirate was actually through being captured by the pirates. So when pirates took a ship, they also took opportunity to recruit them. Makes sense, right? Right, yeah. So <clears throat> one thing I want to talk about is this book kind of falls smack dab in the middle of what is called the golden age of piracy um, and through, throughout history. Um, so <clears throat> when you're thinking about the golden age of piracy, um, though pirates have existed since ancient times, and if we remember, it wasn't, it was in my lifetime, I remember there was pirates that have captured ships and yeah. things still in existence today, obviously not as prevalent and obviously not in the same way, but they definitely still exist. Mm -hmm. um, but really what is considered the golden age of piracy is the 17th and early 18th centuries. During this time, there was more than 5,000 pirates that were said to be at sea all over the world. Good grief. <clears throat> um, throughout history, there have been many people willing to rob others of transporting goods on the water. These people, known as pirates, mainly targeted ships, also though launched attacks on coastal towns, thus the pillaging. Um, pirates have existed since ancient times, as I just mentioned. They threatened the trading routes of ancient Greece, seized the cargoes of grain and olive oil from Roman ships, and the most far-reaching pirates in the early medieval Europe were the Vikings. Thousands of pirates were active between 1650 and 1720. And these years are sometimes known as the quote, golden age of piracy. Famous pirates during this period include Henry Morgan, I'll get into him soon, um, William Captain Kidd, Calico Jack Rackman, Bartholomew Roberts, and the fearsome Blackbeard, Blackbeard or Edward Teach. Through this golden age of, uh, or though this golden age came to an end in the 18th century, piracy does still exist in parts of the world, especially in the South China Seas. Okay. So you're thinking to yourself, where does the word pirate come from? It's a great question. Oh, wow. So the word pirate originates from in the 1300s from the Latin word pirata, meaning sea robber, which also comes from a Latin, a Latin synonym. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Let me say that again. A Latin synonym from the word peril. In Greek, the word comes from pirates, meaning the one who attacks. Oh, okay. So here's something. Did you ever think to yourself, is the rum, trigger warning, this is about alcohol, if that's triggering to you. Did you ever think, I don't know why I'm saying trigger warning so many times. Um, but anyways, wait, funny story about trigger warning. I told this to the girls when we were traveling, but I feel like I want to just <laughs> So I was in Boston earlier this year, and my plane ride was very short, but I had a very annoying uh, guy sitting next to me who was bumping my knee the whole time. And so by the time I got off the plane, it had just been a long um, trip. And so I get on a bus because in Boston, you can literally take a bus right from the airport to the T, which is like their metro or subway. 
And so I'm literally on the bus and it's so packed. It's 5 p.m. on a work night and it's so, so packed. It's literally like the only way that I can stay on this bus is if I move every time the, the door opens. So literally, and we're stuck in traffic. So we're like dead stop. And it's like 45 minutes on this bus. And this guy at one point falls into me. He's probably around my age. He falls into me. And he, and like, and like, and he, he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh, it's okay. He goes, oh, this is the last thing I needed. I was on a long plane ride. And I said, oh, I was on a short plane ride, but it felt long because this guy next to me was bumping into me. And he goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Did I trigger you? Because I bumped into you. And I thought to myself, what is triggering? The fact that you asked me if I was triggered. And I thought you were cute till you got weird and said the word triggering. And then it was just like, it just got weird. And then I was like, ah, no, you didn't trigger me. He was in his, he was clearly an old man and didn't know any better. Like, I don't know. And he was like, and he like at me in, in the middle. Are you asleep? When I was sleeping on the plane, like it was just like for reals. Wait, for reals? Yes, I was literally sleeping like this, not snoring. Okay, but for for the effect of the podcast, literally head back, mouth open, sleeping like dead asleep on the plane. And all of a sudden, I hear this like, and this guy's like, "Were you asleep?" I was like, "Yes." He goes, "Wow, that's amazing! You can sleep on a plane in the middle seat." I was like, "Yeah, huh? Mm-hmm. It's because you're elbowing me the whole time." Anyways. Oh my god! You are kidding me right now. That's that's my worst nightmare situation. That's horrible. <laughs> if it had been a cute guy, the whole story would have been different. But neither, you know, it just didn't work out on, on either side. So, anyways, that's and insane. I'm oh triggering. I was like, how did I get there? So, Captain Morgan, the alcohol. Did you ever think was that named after an actual Captain Morgan, or is that just something that they capitalized, kind of like Sam Adams here? Okay. Well, say, I, Sam I Adams was a person. Yes, but like, it's not his beer. Like, it was made. Like, it wasn't. It's not a beer that's like. I went on a tour, and it's not like it really has anything to do with Sam Adams. It's just because oh, okay. it's really in Boston. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that, but like, sure. there are beers or alcoholic beverages that are named after someone because right. it has something to do with it. Does that make sense? I literally, yes. I didn't. I never thought of that. Oh, I think I, I have actually. <laughs> About Sam Adams beer? No, about Captain Morgan. About Captain Morgan. Oh, okay. I thought about both. Okay, so Wait, I'm going to tell you. Okay? After him, really? Huh? Was it named after him? Uh, Captain Morgan or yeah. Sam Adams? Captain Morgan. Oh, yes. Sam I'm about to, to tell you. Cap- Captain Morgan. So is the brand of rum named after the historical figure, Sir Henry Morgan, a Welsh privateer um, and pirate in the late 17th century. Rum is often associated with pirates, right. which it makes it a natural combination. Okay, so a little bit about Morgan. Morgan was born, not this Morgan, Captain Morgan, um, was born around 1989 16- in the small Texas town. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and boy, did the world become a better place on that day. Okay, so it's very true. Okay, so Captain Morgan was born around 1635 in Wales and later became one of the most successful and infamous pirateers during the Caribbean's golden age of piracy. Um, <clears throat> Captain Morgan gained notoriety for leading several successful expeditions against Spanish-held territories. Some of his most notable exploits, including the capture of Panama City in, 17, in 1671, was one of the wealthiest and most heavily fortified cities in the region. Many privateers including Morgan himself, often blurred the lines between privateering and outright piracy, not only attacking enemy ships, but also neutral and friendly vessels for personal gain. So if you remember, we talked about this at the beginning. This is that line that Merrick kind of played with in the book. Yeah. 
back to the booze, the brand's history can be traced back to the 1940s when Seagram's, a Canadian distillery, created the recipe for a rum blend and named it after the famous pirateer. Okay. So it's so not even Caribbean rum, it's like Canadian rum. I mean, maybe now it's sure. not, but it was started in Canada. So, But it is named after Captain mm -hmm. Yep. Um, okay. Um, one other quick thing, and it's interesting, Morgan, that you brought this up in your kind of notes. So I also found when I was doing research um, that some governors in various territories or some rulers use pirates to their advantage. Uh, oh. Um, so, um, for instance, um, many colonial governors publicly conducted business with pirates, and at the end of the 17th century, the British started to systematically hunt down pirates due to their usefulness, warning that the British has established a foothold in the New World. So there was a shift at one point because it was very, well, you this article um, uh, called battlefields.org that, that, that talks about like pirates in the colonial times specifically, talks about how a governor of Pennsylvania from 18, or from 1681 to 1682 um, supported pirates against the will of the British. So fascinating. Gosh, that's crazy. Anyways, so lots of good things there. Could easily go into long kind of rabbit trails about pirating and all those things. But long story short, it seems to be there was a lot of blurred lines if someone was quote unquote a pirateer versus a pirate. And they would basically add a, on, a, on their whim kind of decide, which kind of makes sense. Then if you think about Merrick's downward spiral, that he was kind of always on the edge to begin with. And then he would just kind of dive in over there mm -hmm. okay <clears throat> ladies are we ready oh, yeah. oh man here, here we go the swoon scale the swoon scale the swoon scale all right listeners to those of you who don't know the swoon scale is how we rate the swooniness of a book or characters or romance stories in a book according to our scale that we decided as zero from zero to Colin Firth in a wet shirt from the 1995 Pride and Prejudice classic um, where he comes out of the, the lake and says, and sees Elizabeth and he's in a wet shirt. So for this one in particular, we decided, and as you know, and I find feedback from many people, and I don't know that that's going to stop our themes, is we like to have themes within themes, within themes. So we always mm -hmm. pick a swoon scale and obviously, as we've said before, and for those of you who, who listen to Memory Lane, you know that someone on the podcast thought a book was as swoony as that scene. Um, it's happened. It's it's happened once, so I don't know if it's going to happen during this episode. But I, I maybe. Well, wow, we don't know. Maybe don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody found this. Swashbuckler, laughing. Swashbuckler to be very swoony, but um. Buckle your squashes. <laughs> Buckle up your squashes, everyone. Let's see how smooth this book was. So this one, we were trying to decide today what our theme should be. And I literally threw out there is Swoony is saltwater fish. And that's <laughs> what our theme is. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. So who would like to go first? Because sometimes, listeners, if this is your first time hearing our spoon squeal, sometimes we, we pick something that's around kind of a topic or something themed like the book and we use it especially inanimate objects if we find the book not particularly swoony so for this particular one we chose a saltwater fish who would like to go first uh, i can go first let me go first. okay so i here's what happened here's what happened 
Odette gave this theme idea. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Of course I want that theme. And I was like, I mean, give me some saltwater fish. Like, I don't, I don't even know. So I did a quick Google search and the Google search was most popular saltwater fish. And this one was third on the list, actually. And I'd never heard of it in my life. So I don't, I don't know what circles this is the most popular saltwater fish. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, can, can I ask a question before you jump yes, in? How much do you know about saltwater fish, though? Like, do you to be fair, not a ton. So, I'm not totally ignorant of saltwater fish. I wasn't Blue totally ignorant. clownfish. Those are just from Finding Nemo. But I do <laughs> know about them. So this one I've never heard of. It's the weirdest name I've ever heard in my life. Are kids ready? Yes. I don't know. Are we? So I'm assuming these are more like popular aquarium, salt like saltwater aquarium fish okay. based on the size. Um, this this fish is called Royal Grandma. <laughs> Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Royal Grandma. Are you saying Royal, royal with an R or with lo loyal? Royal like queen. Okay. Grandma like your mom's mom <laughs> okay wow okay. royal grandma okay let me just royal grandma are extremely hardy fish <laughs> and definitely have a lot of character to bring to the home saltwater aquarium <laughs> but aggression will need to be monitored whoa that right there here it is people here's okay. the food deal first of all <clears throat> I also, let me just, I'm going to show Madeline and Odette a picture of this sweet little baby. Sweet little baby? Yeah, okay, look at it from here. It's a beautiful fuchsia color, colorful. You're like, oh, wow. And then you zoom up close and it has the most horrifying, bulging eye. Oh my God, it looks like it's out of its socket. That's terrifying. Exactly. It does look like it's about to pop out of its socket. Thank you, Odette. Thank you. That's the point I want to make. So you're like, you come into this book and you're like, okay, pirates, maybe there's like an, the high seas, kind of romantic. And then you get up close and you're like, this is, it's too real. It's too, this aggression needs to be monitored and I'm not the one to do it. Because this fish's eye is about to pop out of its socket and it's aggressively coming at me and I'm not ready for it. I just thought it was a nice fuchsia fish. I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to actually want it in my aquarium. I changed my mind. I changed my mind about the world grandma. Okay. So that's how I feel about this. After this book. Because I thought I was getting, going to have a, a beautiful fuchsia fish in my aquarium. And instead I got a bulbous eyed aggressor and I didn't like it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to go ahead. Okay. I want to say one thing. Usually okay. with that size of fish, when they say aggressive, and I say this because back in the day, we've had every kind of pet under the sun um, sure. when I was growing up. So we had fish for a while. And if fish were aggressive, it was that they were aggressive to each other, not to humans. Okay. Sure. That doesn't, the, I don't want to deal with well, any kind of aggression. No, no, no. <laughs> Interspecies or ex. To other species, yeah, Inter interspecies aggression or whatever. I don't, I don't want to deal with it, <laughs> especially if it's a bulbous eye little monster. 
Okay. <laughs> you go on the record for that for sure. On the record. Right, sure. Um, I chose the stoplight parrotfish. <laughs> okay. So here's a picture for um, Morgan and Odette. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so this is um, one of the top 10. This is in the top 10 list of fish to see in the Caribbean. If you're like coral reefing. Okay. So here's, here's a little blurb about this stoplight parrotfish. The defining characteristic is an unmistakable yellow spot above the gill, similar to the warning on a traffic light. They are common throughout the Caribbean, found from 15 to 80 feet in depth. Parrotfish teeth have fused into beaks, allowing them to scrape algae from the porous skeletons of dead coral. You can actually hear them crunching underwater. So, yeah, um, but I chose this fish because, um, okay, it's like one of the top 10 must-see fish on your Caribbean coral reef expedition. And it's like, wow, this is going to be exciting. Um, this could be really, really cool. Like, wow, I- I'm excited to see this stoplight parrotfish. And then you get to the parrotfish and you can literally hear it crunching dead coral skeletons in its mouth. It's mouth beak. <laughs> it's mouth beak. And you're horrified. I'm horrified just thinking about that. And that's why I picked this is because there was no swooniness in this for me. Only like horror. Like this, I was horrified. <laughs> The love story horrified me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there we go. Um, I also want to go on the record just to um, harken back to Odette's earlier statement. I do, I did know about the parrotfish. I knew they existed. Oh. I didn't know about the bone hunting thing, but I knew about parrotfish. Okay. Those weren't even mentioned. You didn't know about the crunching dead coral skeletons? <laughs> I didn't know about it. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. Okay, Odette, what do you have for us? So here's the thing. I did not find this book particularly swoony. Did I want a very swoony reunion after Merrick thought Char- Charlize was dead and she thought and he abandoned her? Did I want a sweet reunion? Did I get that? Unfortunately, no. And you know what? Some people might argue there was a spoony moment. I didn't think it was. And I am okay to have that opinion. So the fish I chose is also from the same article. Top 10 snorkeling must be sea fish in the Caribbean. I chose the great barracuda. Okay, so why why did I choose? Also, let me me show you a picture. Um, uh, Hold on. I actually have it pulled up on my computer. So we're just going to imagine. It's a fish about yay big. Um, according to the the picture on the internet. It's kind of skeevy looking, okay? So this fish can be a bit unnerving to the beginning snorkeler because of its opening and closing of its mouth that reveals large teeth. Very unnerving for a snorkeler. Yeah, I'll bet. (laughs) This is not a display of aggression, but rather a method to push water through the gills. 
When approached slowly, they will linger, allowing the snorkeler to get quite close, attracted to the snorkeler's splash of fins and at the surface. What? It has a silver coloration, a long cylindrical body, and occasionally dark blotches on the side. Common throughout the region, the barracuda often travel alone and swim just off the reef. When encountered near a school of bait fish, the hunting of this behavior can be exhilarating to watch. Okay. So the reason why I chose this fish is because you see this fish coming at you with the teeth and you're like, oh God, this is a lot to see. And then there's moments where you're like, okay, all right, but like, is this a cool fish? And then he goes after a school of fish and you're like, woo, no, thank you. And so I feel like for me, this book was, there was moments, there was glimmers in a, a twinkle in a sky above the ocean little twinkles that i was so excited for is this book going to turn a corner and unfortunately for me it did not and as someone who used to have a pet fish there are some good looking fish out there and so i feel like there's the barracuda is not one of them i'm not going to lie to you um i do think if i ran into that one while snorkeling which i don't know if i would snorkel but um not really sure if that's my vibe but who knows um i don't want to say never um, but I wanted to say that for this particular book, I thought the story, I want it to be more, you know, I wanted it to go there and I thought it might, cause the pace was really good. And it was like, you just kind of breeze, breeze through it because the story just kind of kept going. Um, and so I feel like that part, um, for me was a little bit disappointing and was like a barracuda. So there you go. Wow. That was a really good description. That was great. <clears throat> that was a great swim skill, ladies. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Um, okay, so then our last kind of two sections here. Do we want to go high high lows and then go into God Factor? Let's do um, that. I, love I feel that. like it's a lot after fish to go right into the God Factor. So let's let's do highs and lows. God created all things. So well, it's so. it's true, but <laughs> I I mean I I need, I'm not. Okay, go ahead. Can I go first? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I actually have a high that one of the few things that I really enjoyed about this book is there's a couple of um, moments in the story where Charlize is um, taking over the redemption um, and like exerting her authority over the ship and like commanding it and just being a total boss and um those were some of my favorite moments i think there's like two different scenes where she was like telling guys what to do and <laughs> running the ship and people were listening to her and obviously like god was intervening in a supernatural way um to aid her but she was like um just like that courage and then confidence was super fun and i was like these are really fun scenes where she's just like being the captain of this ship and i those yeah. were some of my favorite moments to read i was like go charlise let's go um she's a pirate captain now um i love it um my lows <laughs> my low i think well i had a, i had a lot of lows like a lot of like negative things that i could say about this book that i didn't enjoy but i think i'll just say um I'll say one here and then I'll mention something else in the God factor when we discuss that. Um, but I think my low was 
just the way that Mary Lou Tyndall was so descriptive in the the hard things of this book. Um, so the the vulnerability of women in this book, the pregnancy loss in this book, um, I feel like she emphasized those things um, for a reason, I'm sure. But I didn't feel like the emphasis on those things added necessarily to the um, impact of like how good God is, which I think is kind of the, or how faithful, how reliable God is. I felt like the um, heavy hitting of (laughs) those topics didn't, didn't add to like her goal of um, that in the book. And so to me, it felt unnecessary um, and almost painful to read, especially the pregnancy loss. I, I have experienced a pregnancy loss and it was like, it was really like, I did not want to read that. I, to be frank, I I skimmed most of it. I didn't even, I, I didn't feel like I could, it was just too much. I was like, this is not, this isn't necessary. And that could be from me because I do have personal experience. So there might be people who would find reading something like that almost healing. I guess you could, that could be helpful to somebody to read that or, or, um, but to me, I was like, this is unnecessary. And also like the vulnerability of women. It just like, it was so, it was just hit so heavily. And I was like, do we have to keep talking about this? Anyways, that was my love. Well, and it's interesting because I had a similar um, hi, Madeline, to you. So there was this scene where um, Charlize, when she was kind of becoming the captain and she was like, kind of just running the ship as Mara from it. And then she was like, I think it was pretty much after she was mad at him. <laughs> she was like, I'm going to run this my own way. I'm going to change the name of it. And she decided, she was like, you're going to bathe regularly, which is absurd for pirates. <laughs> they did not do that. Um, and um, the other thing is she was like, I'm going to read the Bible to you daily. And I feel like I loved that moment because it was her like leaning into, yes, was it a bit, it felt like a bit of, I'm going to make these pirates not be pirates. Like my husband had them, you know, out of like spite almost, but like there was a part of it where it felt like she was like, well, I'm here now and this is my ship and I don't know what the future holds. So I'm going to make the most of this and I'm going to make this my own. And so I, I did feel like there was that moment and like, you kind of see the, the, the guys kind of fight around it. And then like, they kind of just get there, you know, and it, it, anyways. Um, And so I enjoyed that part. It felt like a very, I know this term can be overused um, a little bit, but girl bossy, you know, with, as a girl boss, it's like a very like, like rah, rah, you know, women in, in a really good way. I think for me, some of the lows was quite honestly, how the depravity was spelled out in the book of, pirate piratiness, piratiness, or I know it's not a word. Piracy? Piracy, yes. Um, that is a word. Um, and so um, I felt like that part was a lot because it was throughout the entire book. And I understand that it's at times and I understand that there's a part of it, but I do think the author pushed boundaries. I will say that there was definitely a balance where you could tell when she stopped the point where like, if this had been a not not a Christian fiction she would have kept going there still was enough scenes that I was like who didn't have to go there but I think I just struggled with that because it it definitely felt like something where I feel like there was just such darkness and sometimes in books when it's darkness after darkness after darkness and that hopelessness is portrayed out through the majority of the novel 
And then if the payoff, and I'll get to my God factor, because I definitely had a really good moment with that. But I feel like in general, I didn't feel like the payoff was like chef's kiss after all the depravity. And so I think that that's where it felt, uh, it, it felt like it, it, it got darker. And maybe Madeline, to your point, it was the amount of description. Um, I also skimmed that, that part of um, the book about mm -hmm. the loss. And I haven't even experienced this that myself. I've had like people very, very close to me who, who have. So it was enough to be like, nope, don't need to read this. Is, is there anything relevant to the story? And so, and even like some of the like pillaging and rape scenes and even like, it felt like it just went too far. And maybe part of that is coloring the story and maybe that's just kind of part of it. But that for me felt like a low point versus, oh, this enhanced this, the God factor or pushed the message of redemption in a way that that, that was necessary. Because I'm not opposed to that. Um, in, right. in other books, for instance, um, in like, um, uh, my gosh, why am I blanking? Um, oh, uh, the Francine Rivers book that we read last, um, the, the Mark Lion series. Mark and Lion. So the first one is so depraved, and then the payoff is so 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 good. Mm -hmm. the second one that you're like, oh my god, it's worth reading that, even though I was so mad at them for making me read that. Uh, and th this is just one book, and I, and all I'm saying is, it felt like no, there was too much darkness for the light that was shed at the end of the book. Is is how I'll say that as a low point for me. Agree. Um, okay, so my <laughs> bear with me because I feel like this is still kind of like in my brain and I'm a little bit uh, regurgitating it like as I'm processing it. Um, but my high and low are kind of one and the same. And hey, I'm intrigued. The, the high and low element that I want to talk about is, in fact, the detail that the author went into in the story. Um, it was both a high and a low for me. And so the high element of it is I was continually, as I was, I was listening to this, and again, I gave it a lower rating, so I didn't love the book, but I was continually struck by um, the, how the author, because, okay, again, I, I've read pirate books before and they're always heavily, heavily romanticized. Like all of the aspects of this lifestyle are romanticized. Okay. And this did mm -hmm. not feel that way at all. Um, I mean, sure, there was elements. She's not describing how bad everything smelled. She could have gone into more descriptive whatever, but like for the most part, she's right. She's telling you about all of these terrible things that happen. And from a, uh, in my in my opinion, from like a storytelling standpoint, and from a like as I was reading it, I was like, okay, this is a really interesting thing that she's doing because it's it's giving you this very firm stance on. Um, piracy and, and giving you a, a relatively clear picture of <clears throat> what it would have been like. Um, she didn't shy away from the fact that a woman who was taken aboard a pirate ship, what would more than likely have happened to her? Um, so I, for me, the high part of that was I was just really impressed that she didn't shy away from that. Um, from a historical con um, context, but then also uh, just kind of as a way to 
take the element of romanticism out of of a lifestyle that was that should not be romanticized because there was a great deal of depravity. So I actually really um, I I liked that. On the other <laughs> hand, it was it was horrifying <laughs> because there was so there was so much and you were bombarded with it at every turn um and like Madeline was saying like the child loss scene was just it lasted so long mm-hmm. chapters it was, like, it was literally two yeah. like a chapter and a half almost yeah. two full chapters describing it and it was very difficult um and then also right like the, they didn't describe the rape scenes but just even like these women talking about it in the aftermath was so difficult and something that i found extremely problematic then was clearly um kent kent carlton was that his name um had uh raped isabella or and off the page early on, like by the time we meet her, it has already happened. But he is also very clearly set up to be the romantic hero of the third book. And man, we serve a big God. And he is um, uh, loving and forgiving and grace and mercy and all of those things. But I have a really hard time getting behind (laughs) The idea of a romantic relationship being told in a story where it started out as a um, captive rape situation. Yeah, I just, absolutely. I don't, I, oh, yeah. It's very icky feeling. It's a huge problem. And, That's a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. And and even the as much as work as she was doing with the characters in this book, like clearly leading you towards that to me i was like it's not enough i don't buy this am i supposed to be buying it at this point i still hate this guy like i I don't buy this at all so to me um so yeah my highs and lows are kind of conjoined there and actually i thought since i i have a much i know some of you have really powerful god factors i have a much smaller one and i thought of it earlier so do you care oh. if i just jump right into my god no, so we can oh, end, end on a punch instead of on my paltry one that's fine yeah i i shouldn't say that but anyways, no. it's it's all about how we right. found god in in in, in the book there's no exactly. doubt that of the level of it <laughs> the the thing that kind of stood out the most to me and again i'd forgotten it but my memory was jarred as we were talking about the summary but one of the things that really stood out to me was um the uh the um the way that the main character kept just like a firm connection to like the holy spirit and she was just like talking to god about everything and then god literally like sends these natural disaster type or not natural disasters like natural phenomenon nature situations to help her yes and she was like yeah that was god yeah (laughs) Yeah. that was god like so she's like experiencing all of these terrible things but then she's like yeah of course yeah i asked god and he sent a rainstorm to help us of course yeah (laughs) 
Thanks. Like, I just, I loved that kind of aspect of the relationship being like her and God's relationship. Like she was like, I trust you. You take care of me. You know what's best for me. Also, can you help me in this situation? Need a little assistance. Like it was just really, I loved that. So that was my God factor. <clears throat> um, I'll go next since mine's probably not anything profound, but um, I, I think one of my favorite moments was um, when Edmund was um, coming back to Christ after pushing him away. And he gives this analogy, which is very apropos for this book, but he gives this analogy where he's like, I like where like the, um, the voice of the deceiver in his heart was saying, like, no, like, you're the captain of your own ship. You have freedom. You can do what you want. Like, you're the captain of your own ship. Um, which, as I said, a very apropos analogy for this book. Um, but I loved that, like, when he was in the um, holding cell on somebody's boat. I can't remember uh, details. Um, but he was basically saying, like, I yeah, I'm in control right now, or I feel like I'm in control right now, but um, it isn't it, wasn't it so much better when I was, when I had relinquished my control and was just trusting God and this beautiful, like, yeah, it feels good to be in control. It can feel really good to be the captain of your own ship and make your own choices and do whatever the heck you want. But isn't it so much better when you relinquish that control, even though it hurts and even though you have to sacrifice things a lot of times mm -hmm. and it could be a really hard journey of being patient. But like, isn't it so much better in the long run to trust on to trust in God? Um, and I loved that. I was like, ah, that is so true. It can feel so good to be in control, but isn't it so much better to not be in control? That's, That's really good. good. That's yeah. really good, Madeline. So it's so interesting because um, mine actually is Merrick in that same kind of scene. I'm actually going to read from the book. Um, I, I liked that scene. I thought that was really um, well done. Okay, so this is on, um, uh, I have a Kindle now and I read this book on Kindle and it's like 67%. Yes. So yes. I can find the page number <laughs> here. But um, this is about Merrick. <clears throat> he knew he was engaged in the fiercest battle of his life fighting not the seas with swivel and sword, but on the ravaged plane of his soul. How can I ever trust you again, Lord? I am trustworthy and I love you. The pulsating chants continued. You must be in control. You must get revenge. No, look what has happened since I listened to you. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Merrick bowed his head and in him and him alone, I will place my trust. The whispers ceased. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. Shame and regret drove him to his knees. Please forget. Please forgive me. Wind rushed through the hold, followed by the sound of the door slamming. Then all was silent, save for the slap of water against the ship. A spark of hope ignited in Merrick's soul. Peace like he'd never felt before flooded him. Drawing his knees up, he sat back and smiled for the first time in a long while. And I feel like there's this point, I was thinking about this throughout the book, that the one thing I really liked about this author's portrayal of this is both him and his wife went through something really traumatic and she turned to God. 
and it was still really hard. Like she didn't sugarcoat it. It was still really hard, really painful, but Merrick didn't. And he went back to the pleasure of the flesh because we're using analogies from the nineties um, today. And there was this part where you're just like, Merrick, but you know the truth, you know the light, you know the, so it's so much worse that you went back now, you know, it's so, and I don't mean that as like a, it's not like God doesn't forgive, but when you've tasted the light and tasted in his right. goodness yes. and turn your back, it's because you're forgetting in that moment how faithful God is. And you're forgetting because the pleasure seems so much better. And so me, when I was reading this, I was really sitting, sitting um, and I, my eyes literally started water because I was like, how many times have I in small things, I've obviously never experienced anything like these pirates have, but how many times ha ha have I turned back to the vices that I've walked away from or that I've worked through or that I've journeyed through and even things like worry or anxiety or trying to control things on my own. And Madeline, to your point of, okay, but I have this God, like, don't you worry. Like I got this one. No, I don't got anything. That's the reality of it. And it's right. a point of trusting and this point of, okay, God, but I trust you. And even the voices telling me that, but wouldn't it be better if Odette was just in control? No, actually it's not. And that moment of surrender and the peace that like, and I know that we've all experienced this because we've talked about this in our friendship off the air, but also on this podcast about the times where like, it is really hard to let go. It is so mm -hmm. hard, especially when it's something that's so precious to you and you feel like you've done everything that you can, and, but God, but then if you look at it and yes, was the redemption everything he wanted, but he didn't know his wife was alive at this point and he still surrendered to God mm -hmm. and she ended up being alive. And so th this part of the beauty, especially when he was like, no, look what has happened when I listened to you. This is him speaking to the voices telling him to seek revenge. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And in, and in him and him alone, I will place my trust. And that's just a good reminder. There's something about, I think, because he was so gung-ho to like seek revenge. Or revenge is going to be the thing that, that gets me. How many times are we like, oh, this thing, if I just get this thing, I'm going to feel better. Right, yeah. Even when we know the truth, you know, and, and that's the reality of the human condition. And falling in love with God and, and walking on this journey with him is we're going to get wrong. And we're going to come back to him. And his arms are always open and always willing to so bring that that peace and that joy, even when, when we're suffering because of our own doing. This was all him. Like, if he hadn't done any of this, he would not be in a jail cell. <laughs> like, this was all him trying to solve it on his own. And so that, oh, yeah. like, it, 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 it just really struck me the beauty of that simple surrender of, okay, God, but I trust you. Yeah, I love that. You know, nothing changed. He was literally lo locked in jail cell. Nothing changed. Yeah. With the trust in God. Oh, that's really good. That was my God moment. So, wow. Um, we are at <laughs> over an hour, almost down 45. Here's the thing. We said before, I think this episode is going to be short. <laughs> you know, we always Not have us. Not us. <laughs> Not us, never. Um, amazing. All right. So, wow. That was that was a lot of fun to talk about. I really enjoyed that. That, um, that was good. Our next offbeat quirky pick Morgan what are we reading next yes I knew you were gonna ask me and that's okay great um the next one our theme is time travel and the book is vestige of power by Sarah Blackard uh who I'm just so excited to read a book by Yay. her to read some of her her, I've read some of her books, but I've been wanting to read more. And so I'm really, really excited about this. Yeah, we may or may not get the opportunity to talk to her. Just mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, for the record, when you said theme, you just mean the next book in our quirky offbeat pick. It's not a, that was right. Yes, the next, the next quirky offbeat subgenre that we're covering in 
the overarching quirky offbeat theme. It's time travel. Right. Maybe there'll be pirates in this one. We don't know. We haven't read it yet. We, we haven't know. read the book yet. Read it. We don't know. The world is our friggin' oyster. The world <laughs> is our oyster. And you know what, listeners? It can be yours too, because you can travel back to any time or place while 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 reading the book. There you go. There you, there you go. go. The world is our oyster. But tonight our episode has ended. So we will talk to you all. <laughs> what a great segue. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep keep it lit. lit!